what the Bible teaches about that. And then uh, eventually we'll be getting into First Thessalonians. And um, is, it, is it toasty in here? Yeah, did it, did somebody, yeah, somebody, somebody uh, told me that it's been too hot in church lately, so I don't know if we could lower the, I don't even know how to do that myself, so, and um, Chris is going back there, he's, he's okay with technology and stuff, but um, it was good though, it was real nice and toasty when I preached on hell, so that really, it really helped get the point across, but, uh, but now we want to move on from there, so. And uh, I just want to say a few things before we open in prayer, just to just to remind us. Um, if you look at Isaiah sixty-five, Isaiah sixty-five, and uh, in fact, it's Isaiah sixty-six, verse two, and it talks about God. You know, it's like, yeah, you're going to build a a house for me, you're going to build a temple for me. And he's like, I'm the creator. Verse six, Isaiah 66, verse 2, For all those things my hand is made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. So God created the whole universe. Why would he even look upon us, right? But on this one will I look. On him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. I mean, even in the passage that we read today, Psalm 12, God promises that he would preserve his words from generation to generation. So this is the word of God that's going to be proclaimed today. And we need to be a broken and contrite spirit. We need to acknowledge before the Lord that we're fallen. We need to acknowledge before the Lord we don't deserve to be in his presence and yet here we are to study his word. I need to tremble at his word. You need to tremble at his word. So this is not, we're not at, at some political rally where guys and gals are getting up and spouting about this and spouting about that. This is the word of God that is preached. The apostle Paul went so far to say that 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power okay so yeah we use words as the medium but it's the power of God is unleashed in his word and so when we pray to anoint whoever's preaching today it's me just keep in mind the importance of that prayer because we got a fallible human up here trying to proclaim God's perfect infallible word trying to communicate it in a way that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can understand it, okay? Um, you know, we're all looking for like, you know, maybe the next election will turn out better or, or this and that. Maybe I'll get that better job. Maybe this, maybe that. Uh, if we can preach the true word of God, there's probably nothing more powerful it's going on in our world today. God is a God who is there, but he's not a God who is silent. He has given us his word. We're going to see the battle is way more fierce than we often think when we go through our day-to-day -day lives. Way more fierce. The battle is battle. I mean, it's a battle for us as well as, you know, for the the a battle to, for the lost to try to save souls, a battle to try to deceive people. Um, it's a battle for us. If you, if you aren't everything that God called you to be today, you better hope and pray that God has somebody else fill that role. Because there was a day when King Saul didn't trust in God and decided not to go take out a blaspheming Philistine giant. Praise God there was a shepherd boy. Praise God there was somebody, a man after God's own heart to do that. So then when we pray for the anointing, please, it's not just some little ritual we go through and stuff. This is the word of God. This is a fallible man. 
you know. I like to say, if I die right now, I want to be the Lord, then God be done, finished. But he wouldn't. Still, he still got to fix up my body. So we're all awaiting the second coming of Christ to be totally fixed, to be totally glorified. And so please, um, I'm, we say this prayer for two reasons. Number one, because this is the infallible word of God without error. That's number one. And number two, you got a fallen human. I was trying to preach it, okay? So let's go to the Lord in, in prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you so much for bringing these people here today. And they could be at other churches that, that have lots of things to, to offer that we can't offer here. But I pray that the, the few things that we can offer them is true worship of you, true fellowship, true corporate prayer, and accurate preaching of your word. And so, Lord, we know that your word of God, your word is flawless, but you call upon fallen men to proclaim your truth. Even when we're saved, Lord, we still bring some of the old man with us. So I pray that you cancel the man. Please, Lord, please fill me with your spirit so I could proclaim your word. Anoint me with your spirit to proclaim your truth because, Lord, I don't want to waste these people's time. They're here. We're a body of believers, and we're here to hear from you, Lord. We don't want the faulty wisdom of man. We get enough fake news. We want your son, Jesus. We want you. We want your spirit. We want your word. So please, Lord, please anoint me with your spirit. Fill me so that I would proclaim your, your truth and I wouldn't lead anyone astray and open hearts and minds, including my own, to receive truth from your word so that we could be all that you call us to be. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. Um, the Greek word for angel, the Greek word for angel is, is just angelos. Okay, that's where we get the word angel from. And all it means is messenger. That's all it means. So God talks about, you could use the word angelos, by the way, for human messengers sometimes in the scriptures. But when we're talking about angels, we're usually talking about these spirit messengers from a whole, from the spiritual domain that are at work when we don't see them. And then sometimes they're at work and we do see them. I don't know about you. I don't. I can't list any occasions where I saw an angel manifest itself physically and things of that sort. If you want to read a good book on the topic, Billy Graham, his book Angels, he documents some pretty good cases on it. There's plenty of literature and plenty of films about evil spirits, demons possessing people and... Um, some of them are based on true stories like The Exorcism of Emily Rose. The Rite is loosely based on the stories of two, two priests who are exorcists and stuff. So the, the demonic realm, we're opening the, we're fleeing from God in this country, so we're opening the door to the demonic realm, okay? But in Billy Graham's book, Angels, he also reports from the mission field. Reports of angels, like, you know, one time, I think, there, I think it was the Marxist, we're going to some tribal people, and they were going to destroy their church and kill the people, and they showed up with their rifles, and and they looked at the people, and the people just stood outside and were holding hands and praying. And, um, and the Marxists looked on in fear and then turned and ran away. And the next day, one of the Marxists came and was led to the Lord, and they asked him, why did you run away? And he said, we weren't afraid of you. We were afraid of all those eight-feet-tall guys that were standing on the roof. Every once in a while, God will give like the servant or the prophet in the Old Testament that little glimpse. But who knows, when you wake up in the morning and you go to put on a pot of coffee or whatever it is that you do to get you started in your day, who knows what kind of angelic battle is going on just to see if you're going to start your day in God's word. 
in prayer, if you can start your day being filled with the Spirit and be a vessel of the Lord, or if you're going to be working for the other side and you don't even know it. Brothers and sisters, it's not a game. It is not a game. If you think that anti-Christian politicians, you know, we just, we just have word now, FBI leak, that um, they're going to try to open the door for persecution of Christians by getting ultra-traditional Roman Catholics first, okay? And so this has been, this has been leaked and uh, from real reliable sources. It was reported even in the mainstream media now it's being reported, but they're seeing that as a gateway to then go after other Christians. So it's easy for us to look at man as the enemy. Man is not the enemy. I mean, even Pfizer just financed some satanic dance at the Grammys or whatever. So they're kind of letting us know which side they're on. The real enemy is not, the, you know, what's the little guy? Bill Gates. He's not the real enemy. George Soros. Um, the Klaus Schwab. Those are not the real enemy. The real enemies are the demonic forces behind them, empowering them and um, leading them to think the way they think and to do what they do. And so you've got to take this seriously. Angels, demons, and Satan, first thing you got to know is, look, they were created by God, okay? They were created by God. They are not eternal. They're created by God. And they weren't created like humans where God created the man and then the woman from his side, and then they, through, through sexual union, they reproduce. No, the angels were created individually, okay, but directly by God. So look at Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. Colossians 1, 15 to 17. It's talking about Jesus. It says, he is the image of the invisible God. Why? Because he's God the Son become a man. The word became flesh. Paul could say in the same book, for in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. Don't, you, don't just take Jesus and put him in a category with all other humans. Yeah, he's one of us, but he's also God. He is God the Son become a man. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He has the right of the firstborn to rule over all creation. Okay? Why? For by him all things were created. Jesus created everything that was created. Jesus created it. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. So he didn't just create the visible realm. He created the invisible realm. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, those are just different titles of high-ranking angelic beings. Jesus created the angels. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He not only created us, he sustains um, our existence. So God created uh, not only uh, humans and the physical realm, God also created angelic beings, okay? Uh, and they were created just as anything else was created. Everything that was created was created for God's glory, okay? Now, let's say as the senior pastor of this church, uh, get together with the elders and some of the others in the church, and they start realizing every decision this guy makes favors him and brings him glory. After a while, you've got right to be suspicious and say, hey, man, what, what's with this, Pastor Phil? Are you in it to serve Jesus or are you in it for your own glory? Okay. But guess what? As we study more and more about God, we find God does everything for his glory. And you know what? That's fine because he's God. Okay. So if you, if you act like, oh, if you act like you want to be worshiped, that's messed up. If God wants to be worshiped, that's just the way it is. He's God. Okay. So, so we were created to glorify God. Now, it just so happens when you glorify God, you start feeling good and you start experiencing true joy. We're always accepting the lies of the evil one 
that, oh, I can, get, I can get true joy in a bottle. I don't need to get into the Bible. I can use a bottle. I can get drunk. I can do drugs. It could be sexual immorality. It could be any number of things. That's where I'll find true joy. And you might be on the, the roller coaster of happiness, and then things go down, and you're in the pits, up and down, up and down, but that's not lasting joy. Lasting joy that you can experience even when things go bad, even when our loved ones die. That lasting joy only comes uh, from the triune God. And, uh, but God created us to glorify him when, when, you know, it reminds me of that story. It was a, I mean, a true story. Two guys sued, or at least one guy sued Sears. They were two neighbors, and they wanted to trim the hedge between their yards. And they thought it'd be a good idea to buy a lawnmower from Sears and then hold it up. Well, the inevitable happened. One of the guys lost a few fingers on the deal and then sued Sears. I don't know if he won because nowhere did it say that uh, lawnmowers are supposed to be on the lawn, not in the air, trimming hedges. And um, um, But things worse work best when we do what we were designed to do, what we were created to do. There's a whole lot of us that ought to be mowing the lawn and we're trying to trim hedges, okay? Be what God called you to be. The world, the world always tell you, no, the grass is always greener outside of God's will. No, we were created to glorify the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We were created to glorify the triune God of the Bible, the creator, but also our redeemer. I didn't create Phil Frangie so he could be a little happy, comfortable guy. Okay? God didn't call us to a picnic. He called us to a war. And we're going to be talking about some of the big-time warriors that are going on. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, like, uh, we got some that are fighting for us because they're fighting for God. But there are some that just, they would, you know, there are some, if you, they want you to fall today. They want you to fall today, and if they can't get you to fall today, if they have any say in the matter, they want you dead today. I've seen, there are political leaders, I thought, if this guy knew what I preached, or this gal knew what I preached, they'd want me dead. Okay? But it's not really them. It's the demonic powers that are controlling them. And, uh, but it'd be like if somebody told me, and I like boxing, and I'm still a young guy, only, only 63, and, uh, but if somebody told me, hey, we want you to box a, a 74-year-old guy tomorrow, I think 74, that's, that's really old, man, that's, I'll, I'll go light on the guy, I don't want to be busted for manslaughter, 70, 74 years old, I mean, it's just like, you know, and I'd say, by the way, what's the, what's the name of this old gentleman? I'd say, uh, George Foreman. Okay, uh, so sometimes I think we go through life like that. They might, my, my perspective would change, obviously, you know. Um, I'd want to see if there's a way out in the contract there because I ain't stepping in the ring with George Foreman. And, um, uh, but I think that's, uh, that's the way it is. We, we as Christians sometimes, we underestimate our enemies. We think when I wake up in the morning, man, I'm going to do battle with, some 74-year-old old guy. No, you're going to do battle with the George Foremans of the spiritual realm, okay? And by the way, you might think, well, I can't, I can't handle that. They'll crush me. Yeah, that's why you got to go in the authority of the Lord Jesus. Even Michael the archangel didn't lock horns with Lucifer, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. What makes you think you're tougher than Michael the archangel, Okay. And so we got to go in the power of the Lord. And uh, so the angels were created by God, and they were created to glorify him. Well, guess what? Some of them didn't do that. Some of them decided to side with Satan, and so we'll talk about that. But, but the identity of these angels, they're limited. They're not all-powerful. 
They're not all-knowing. They're not everywhere present, okay? I remember when I worked with the sub-base police, a guy was telling me that, um, oh, you, on, my, on my weekend, the weekends were different days. Came back from my weekend, another Christian brother, nice guy. He told me, you should have been here. Uh, he, yesterday, Officer Fernandez, uh, there was a, a lady on Bangor who was possessed by Satan. And I said, no, there wasn't. He said, yes, she was, and, and supposedly she was growling, and it took four or five guys to hold her down, and she was speaking in a voice not her own, saying it was Satan. But I told him, I said, it wasn't Satan. And he's like, how do you know you weren't there? I said, Look, dude, it wasn't Satan. Satan might be hanging out at the White House. Maybe he's messing around with Franklin Graham right now. Maybe, maybe he's uh, at the Vatican seeing what he could pull over there. Um, maybe he's in heaven accusing the brethren, like Revelation chapter 12. But I, I doubt I, I doubt Satan even messes with me. He's just got his lower-level demons saying, go mess with that Fernandez guy, okay? And um, now, if I were a lower-level demon and I was possessing somebody, I wouldn't want to say, I'm, yeah, I'm a lower-level demon. And so you're going to lie. And you're going to say Satan, but Satan is not omnipresent. It, it looks like Satan's omnipresent because he's got his demons all over. He's got lower level demons and fallen angels working for him all over the place. So it looks like he's omnipresent, but he isn't. He can only be in one place at a time. Okay? So they're limited, they're temporal, they're time bound, they were created by God, but they are presently more powerful than man. Now, Paul, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, the day is going to come when we're going to judge the angels. So we're like Jesus. For Jesus was a little while lower than the angels in his human nature. Humanity is a little while lower than the angels. But glorified, saved, redeemed humanity, someday we will judge the angels. In fact, some ancient Jewish rabbis, even before the time of Christ, believed that that's why Satan fell when he found out, wait a minute, we're created superior in intellect and power to these human beings, and then we're supposed to minister to them, serve them, and then some of them are going to be glorified and are going to stand in judgment over us. And so some of the old Jewish rabbis said Satan didn't like that idea, and that's when he said the five I wills, you know, I will be worshipped like the Most High God and God other angels uh, to side with them. But whatever the case, look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. And that's not the verse I was looking for. I don't know what verse it is, but there's a good, really good verse. I read the verse and typed in the wrong one, but in, in, in uh, it could be Second Peter. Let me see. Yeah, Second Peter chapter two, verse eleven. Whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. So he's talking about he's talking about false teachers who are. Kind of like the televangelists who talk about Satan's a bum, he's a has-been, I stomped on him early this morning, you know, stuff like that. That's the way the false teachers were back then. And Peter's saying, man, you don't know who you're messing with. These dudes are really, really bad. They're way tougher than us. We need, like Jude is going to talk about the same thing. He says that Michael the archangel didn't even want to lock horns with Satan. He said, the Lord rebuke you, okay? Um, so the bad news is these entities, angels are way more powerful than us. So if they're bad angels, they're way more powerful than us, and they're smarter than us. The good news is we have authority over them through Jesus. So we cannot go in our own straight. That's why some demons, when it comes to demon possession, Jesus said some demons are so bad, they won't come out without prayer and fasting. And then right after saying that, Jesus just cast the, the demons out of the guy. Um, 
you call me tonight, you think that there's a demon possession case going on at your house? I'll tell you, I'll be there in 24 hours. Because right after I get off the phone, I'll start a 24-hour fast. I want to rely on the Lord, not on myself. I don't want to rely on physical strength. I want to rely on spiritual strength that comes only from the Lord. So angels who are greater in power and, and might. So do not, do not mess with the angelic realm on your own. By, by the way, you know, there's a big, the New Age movement and all in America, watering down the Bible and not even reading their Bibles. There's a big emphasis on trying to communicate with good angels. Let me tell you, if God sends a good angel to communicate with you, fine. But that's got to be God's, God's choice. You do not initiate contact with the spiritual realm. Okay? Unless you want to be the next Joseph Smith or the next Muhammad. Because there are entities out there that will uh, accept the invitation and communicate with people, uh, but they're going to lead you astray. So you leave that to God. If God wants to send a good angel to, to manifest himself, that's, that's his business, okay? We don't initiate contact like that. And then we got people foolish enough to just straight out try to contact the demonic realm. And, um, and I'm telling you, um, Sigmund Freud understood, even being an atheist, that the two strongest drives in human beings are, are a desire for power and, uh, and, and lust. And no matter which side a person, a fallen person is on, if they favor that and give in to one of those drives, they'll both eventually meet. And so we find, don't be surprised when you find powerful political people, okay, um, doing horrible sexual sins, okay? And um, I can't get into all that. Some of it can be documented. Some of it can't. But the leaders of some lady, when she was running for a high office, the two brothers, their campaign manager and his brother, they love cannibalistic art. It's usually in the back of, in the background when they're being interviewed, and then um, and they follow the teachings of some witch, some lady who promotes cannibalism. Uh, so there's some horrible, horrible stuff going on. A lot of it involving children, and um, um. No matter how disgusting you think evil can get, you can multiply that by a thousand. You're just skimming the circus, sort of the surface. It's 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 horrible. And um, but these demons are not all powerful. They're not all knowing. They're not everywhere present. Even the good angels are not. They are spirit entities. They have no bodies. Hebrews one. Look at Hebrews one thirteen and fourteen. So somehow they're disembodied, they're spirit entities, they're more like minds than they are like bodies, but they can only be in one place at a time. Hebrews 1, 13 and 14, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your, your enemies your footstool? So he, he's basically the book of Hebrews, he's trying to show that Jesus is greater than the prophets, he's greater than the angels. The new covenant sacrifice of Jesus is greater than the old covenant sacrifices of the animals. And, uh, but here he's saying, look, he's greater than the angels. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than the angels. God never told any of the angels, sit at my right hand. Okay? Verse 14, are they, the angels, not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? That always struck me. As interesting because it doesn't say that that the angels, the good angels, are ministering spirits sent out to, to minister to those who are saved. He says they're sent out to minister to those who will be saved. Okay? So that's something, you know, I, I've been 
you know, I've been saved now for 40 years, and as time went on, I realized I'm not as grateful as I need to be because I need to be grateful of how God has been faithful to me ever since I got saved. And God has been faithful to me 24-7 from the day I've been saved. I've been faithless at times, but he's been faithful ever since I've been saved. And then God started showing me, how come you're not grateful about the first 21 years of your life? And I'm like thinking, well, I wasn't saved. I didn't belong to you. And then God started showing me in different ways. Not even talk to me audibly and this and that, but I just study his word and try to obey his word and pray. But God started showing me things in my life. I was very, very sheltered and very, very protected from things. Things could have turned out much differently for me. And we could all say that. Before you were saved, God was protecting you before you were saved. Maybe there's a few times you almost died. And freak event occurs. Maybe you fell out of a car on a busy five-lane highway in the middle of rush hour traffic onto the, some highway in, in Essence County, New Jersey. As a little boy in the middle of travel, you fall down and your father goes and drives on for a few miles and then looks in the rearview mirror and you're not there and has to ask your sister Marie, where is, where's Philip? Well, he got out. <laughs> My father had to do a U-turn and come all the way back and found all the traffic stopped and all the guys were scratching their heads. And I was there with my winter coat, my hat, scarf. I thought I, you fall out of a car, you die. So I thought I was dead, even though I was conscious. So I just, I wasn't talking. And they were all scratching their head wondering what. His eyes are open, but he's not talking and stuff. So, but I'm sure we've all had those occasions where we've almost died. Whether it was before we were saved. That was way before I was saved. Maybe it was after we were saved too. Anytime you come this close to death and then and you don't die, that means God's got more work for you to do. God's not done with you, okay? But what the Lord's been showing me is that he protected me from a lot of bad stuff, a lot of bad stuff before I got saved. And I, our, our principal, Mrs. Kong, she played a song at one of our teacher's devotions, and one of the lines in there is, uh, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. It's all my life he's been faithful. Not just after I got saved. Why? Because God sent ministering spirits to minister to me even before I received salvation. Okay? And... Um, and so and we don't, we don't, you know, we just think, wow, what a coincidence that this didn't happen or that didn't happen. Look, there's no coincidences. We got a God who's in control of the details, okay? And God sends his angels. There are angels duking it out right now. Right now. The bad ones trying to prevent you from being all God called you to do today. And the good ones trying to stop those angels, those fallen angels from leading you astray. And, um, and, and most of the time, we don't even see it. So they're spirit entities. They have no bodies. They're supposed to minister to us. Of course, the, the fallen angels are doing the exact opposite. They're trying to bring us down, okay? And, um, but they can take on bodily form at times. They, one of the clearest examples, Genesis 18 and 19, Three men with bodies show up and meet with Abraham. And then two of them go to Sodom because they knew about all this bad stuff going on in Sodom and Gomorrah. And so they go to see Lot in Sodom, but the other one stays back, and it turns out to be the messenger of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, and Abraham worships him. So it's, it's the Lord Jesus, before he became a man, would sometimes temporarily take on bodily form, appear as a man, and um, 
I think, I think that's what Jesus did when he walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And, uh, and we see that throughout the Old Testament. You don't see that in the New Testament because the angel of the Lord, again, just messenger of the Lord, God, the second person of the Trinity, became a man. And, uh, but the other two angels rained fire and brimstone from heaven from the Lord in heaven. So you got the Lord on earth and the Lord in heaven. There's two of the three persons of the Trinity mentioned right there. In fact, the verse that was quoted in Hebrews from Psalm 110, verse 1, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. God is more than one person. The Bible teaches God is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And um, But even the, the, the evil homosexual men of Sodom wanted to rape these two angelic beings who appeared in bodily form. So the angelic beings blinded them and then walked through them like they were nothing and then rescued Lot and his family. Of course, Lot's wife looked back and when the fire and brimstone came down, she was turned to a pillar of salt. Uh, you have angels appearing in bodily form. Some of the gospels call them angels. Some of them call them men because some of them are just, they appeared as men. When Jesus rose from the dead, they're at the tomb to announce it, okay? And um, so they're spirit entities. They have no bodies, but angels can take on bodily form at times, okay? Um, and then there are many different types of angels, principalities, powers, thrones, authorities, dominions. It doesn't sound like, you know, little insignificant entities, okay? There's the cherubim and the seraphim, and we, you know, we don't have time. We're not going to spend months going over this, so we can't go spend time to say, well, what, what are these type of angels? What do they seem to be protecting? We know God put two cherubim with flaming swords to prevent anybody from going into the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve have been cast from the garden after falling. Um, but whatever the case, we have these many different types of angelic beings, and they were told in scriptures they're innumerable. So many of them are like the stars of the, of the sky, okay? And so let me tell you, this... I don't care. The Bill Gates of this world, the Richard Dawkins, the atheist of this world, would, would probably, the Klaus Schwab would probably laugh at this statement, okay? But I don't care. I'm not living to please them, okay? Be totally honest with you, I don't really don't even respect them. I love them. I pray for their salvation. And I know they're not the real enemy. The real enemies are the demons that they may or may not even know exist that are behind them, uh, but the fact is this, we are not alone. If you think we're alone, just humans, and then there's God, and but we humans, we're out here, we're alone. If you think we're alone, you, you're not really accepting the biblical worldview. The biblical worldview says there is more to life than just the physical realm of the senses. We are not alone. You might, you might, you know, God might be calling you to just meet with a friend today or tomorrow and just share a little bit of Jesus with them. Maybe they don't even want to hear the gospel. Maybe Jesus says, look, just for the next 10 years, just share my love with them. Have a cup of coffee with them. Just love on them. They know you're a Christian. They know what you're about, but just be there for them. And you might think, you know what? I don't feel like doing that today. I mean, what's today? I think the Super Bowl is today. It's hard. It's hard to even keep track. If the Raiders aren't in it, since 1983, since 1983, all the Super Bowls have been insignificant. But, uh, but whatever the case, you might say, you know what? I, no, I, I, deep down inside, I know God wants me to have a cup of coffee with my old buddy who's not a Christian, but... I want to watch the Super Bowl, so I'll call him up, tell him I'm sick, you know? Um, and you think what you were going to do was a little thing? 
there was probably just an all-out barroom brawl between dozens of angels and dozens of demons going on about that decision because that little decision, I'll tell you the most powerful things going on on earth today, that quality discipleship, that one-on-one stuff. Okay? Well, Mary, American church, probably American church, we think big. We got to start thinking small. You know, I always thought, you know, if I was God and I became a man, I'd be God on world tour. I'd be filling up the world's largest football stadiums and soccer stadiums. Go, God on world tour. And what did Jesus do? He hung out in Israel pretty much for his own life. A little kid went to Egypt, and he spent the bulk of his ministry with 12 ordinary guys, one of them a traitor. Okay? Quality discipleship. Don't let the enemy, we, we are not alone. And if you trust in the Lord for his power, you are a powerful spiritual warrior for the kingdom of God. And if Bill Gates doesn't understand that, like Mr. T used to say, then pity the fool. Okay? Um. But we serve a powerful guy. It's like, you might think, but you have a passive, but you don't understand though. I'm like, I'm like a little insignificant person or blah, 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 this and that and everything. Look, there's no little people in God's kingdom. The issue is not how big is your problem or your opponent. The issue is not even how big you are. The issue is how big is your God. And if your God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, then God wants to give you victories today. Doesn't mean he's going to make you healthy, wealthy, prosperous, but he wants you to prosper spiritually. He wants you to conquer demonic strongholds, whether they be in the hearts of your friends or things entrenched into our culture. He wants you to bring down demonic strongholds through the power of the Holy Spirit. Who's working through you? Don't don't tell don't tell me. You know I'm too little, too insignificant. Don't tell me, Pastor Phil. I'm just an ordinary guy. Last I heard, those are the only kind of guys and gals that God uses are ordinary ones. Okay. Every once in a while, you get an ordinary person who starts worshiping himself, thinks there's something special. No, we're just ordinary people, but we serve an extraordinary God. And so their agenda and activity, the good angels, the unfallen angels, they serve God. And as we saw in Hebrews chapter 1, 13 and 14, they minister. They serve those who will inherit salvation. They're serving us right now. And they were serving us before we even knew Jesus. I could see, I don't want to bore you right now, but I could see, guys, I look back at my past and my, my family, I could see God's hand of protection over me. God even used the, the godliness of my dad, just his character. So I was being protected, me and my brother Mark, from evil opportunities we, we would not have been able to turn down because of my God's character, not because of my character. And uh, my dad didn't even know what was going on, and um, the good angels are sent to serve God and to minister to those who will inherit salvation. Michael and Gabriel are two two that are mentioned. You know, some of the, the Roman Catholic extra books and stuff, they, they have Raphael, but it's probably, you know, I, I think that to Book of Tobit is just a novel. I don't accept those those books. Some good reading and all. The Roman Catholic Church will bring up Raphael and Uriel. And I don't know if that's just Catholic tradition, if there's any truth behind that or not. But it was interesting when I was talking to my dad, who was a very, very Christ-centered Roman Catholic, very humble. He knew he was a sinner who deserved the flames of hell, and he knew he was only saved through Christ. And his brothers, the Portuguese Catholics that I knew were like that. But uh, when I was telling him about Mormonism, and the angel Moroni that Joseph Smith thought, he, immediately my dad said, oh, that's a demon. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, his name doesn't end E-L, which means God. See, Michael is one who is like God. 
you know, Gabriel. And um, so I don't know if, if all the angels' names end in EL. I do know all the angels that haven't fallen. They're serving God, and God sent them to serve us, okay, and uh, to minister uh, to us. Now, the fallen angels, sometimes called unclean spirits and demons, there's, there's differing views there about whether, we know the Bible teaches that Satan rules, he is the leader of the fallen angels, and he's the leader of the demons. So I think most scholars today believe fallen angels and demons are synonymous, okay? There were some ancient, uh, both Christian and Jewish scholars, um, who differentiated between fallen angels and demons and believed the demons were, were spirits of disembodied Nephilim. We don't have time to get into that, but whatever the case, just know the demons and the fallen angels are unclean spirits. They're evil. They oppose God, and they follow Satan, and uh, they can tempt people, and they can uh, possess people. Uh, look at Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 34. Mark 1. Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 34. It says, At evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and all those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he, he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. That's interesting, too, is that the demons, they would see Jesus on the spiritual realm. They would say, what have you to do with us, O son of the most high God? You'd think, well, well why? I... wouldn't it be great for entities to go around proclaiming that Jesus is the son of the most high God? Jesus would say, no, not, not if the messengers are evil, I don't want them preaching. Okay? And that, that, by the way, too, is with preachers. You don't practice what you preach, you don't get behind a pulpit. Okay? You can do more damage than good, even if you're proclaiming the truth. If you're living a lifestyle that contradicts that, you're just going to push people away from the gospel. Okay, and um, but whatever the case, this demon possession thing. Look, look, we're, we're not alone. We got people talking about space brothers. Okay, and you got granted, ninety-five percent of the time, somebody just had like Jay Vernon McGee used to say, somebody just had too much pepperoni pizza. The night before, they got they got Ajita, okay? Um, no, let me tell you, uh, every once in a while, we get, we get some accounts of entities that take on material form. They claim they're from other planets. They can possess people. They can channel messages through people. Uh, there's a big demonic deception that's going on with the Space Brothers. Bigfoot, how many of us know Bigfoot sightings? We've had enough time. If, if this thing is natural, we've had enough time to prove it. But you have reliable eyewitnesses claiming that they've seen these entities. But many of the eyewitnesses say they just appeared and they just disappear. Okay? We've got the smell of, of sulfur, burning sulfur. It smells like burning flesh that accompany alien abduction cases, Bigfoot sightings, and demon possession cases. Okay, we are not alone, but we have authority over the demonic realm through the Lord Jesus Christ. But you've got to go in his strength and not in your own strength. So we'll be looking a little bit more at the, the fallen angels and Satan so that we know who the enemy is. Um, I just want to close with this one story and then we'll receive the Lord's Supper. Uh, I believe it was in Ephesus. They were... Everybody was into magical formulas. And so when Paul started preaching the gospel and they took their occultic literature and burned hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of demonic, secret, mystical formulas um, because of the preaching of the gospel and all. But there were the sons of Sceva. Sceva was a self-appointed Jewish priest 
Now, he's in Ephesus. He's nowhere near the temple, so I don't think he's a real priest. Um, but they were into all these incantations, like the open sesame and abracadabra type stuff, looking for secret formulas, and they found this Apostle Paul guy was able to cast out powerful demons in the name of Jesus. It's a formula. Let's take this formula and run with it. And so the seven sons of Sceva tried to cast a demon out of a guy. And uh, they tried to cast the demon out in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preached. Okay? It didn't end well for them. They ran out of the house naked and bloody. Okay? Does not sound like um, successful exorcism. Um, uh, but to think that if we just say, well, let's laugh at them, we would never do such a dumb thing today. Well, just look at the American church. Jesus said, if you ask for anything in my name, you'll get it. But all that meant, and you could just do a study on it. Jesus is saying, if you ask anything in accordance with my will, then you have my authority and it will be given to you. It doesn't mean you can boss around God. Yet we have many professing Christians today that are, have latched onto a secret formula, the magic words, I can ask, any, ask for anything in Jesus' name and I'll be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. And it's not even working for them and they don't even realize it's not even biblical. Okay? Um, there is power in the world of the occult. There is power in the demonic realm. But if you trust in the carpenter from Nazareth and you trust in him to do your spiritual battles for you, you're what the Bible calls an overcomer. Not because you overcome through your own wisdom or your own strength, because, but because you have overcome the demonic realm, Satan and its demons, through the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Can I have the ushers? We have some free ushers. Pass out the elements. <laughs>